You're listening to the Canes Country Podcast with Brett Finger, Justin Lape, and Kyle Morton. How do you like that intro? How do you like that new intro? I think it sounds good. How do you guys think it sounds? It's fantastic. It's the best intro. <laughs> it's better than all the other intros. We are a professional podcast, so we needed a professional intro. And now we got it. Speaking of professionals or so-called professionals, the uh, the Hurricanes played this past week. They played three games. They had a really good one against the Penguins on Thursday. They had a less good one on Friday. And then they had one that was kind of in the middle, which is the game that just ended here on Tuesday night when we were recording this. A 1-2-0 week. Some good, but definitely a little bit of bad sprinkled in there. Guys, uh, what is your takeaway from this past week of Hurricanes action? Meh. Yeah. Uh, last time we had when we had Brian on, we were talking about the goaltending. And we were talking about how Ward was on his hot streak. And I posed the question, how many games would it take of Ward not being on his hot streak anymore for Peters to realize that Ward isn't on a hot streak anymore and the mix darling in a couple more times. And I think we're going to find that out now because in the last four games that Ward has started, he is one, two and one with an eight, five, five. Uh, that is including the two goals on two shots performance against Boston. And the Kane scored four goals against the Tampa Bay lightning tonight. And uh, that's hard to do. They were in a position to win the game. Uh, they even won a challenge, an offsides challenge, which it's probably happened before in the Peters era, but it sure doesn't feel like it. But yeah, obviously, you know, it was another laid egg in Boston, kind of similar to the Toronto effort uh, tonight. They put up four in Tampa. They lose in regulation. Uh, that's not what you want. If you score four goals against the best team in the league, you want to at least get a point out of that kind of an effort. Um, I mean, there were some lapses tonight, but I thought overall they played a pretty good team game. They didn't really quit when they could have. Um, sure, they left Ward in a tough spot a couple times, but uh, at some point, you know, you got to make a save. And, and they didn't really get a whole lot of key saves tonight from Ward. Um, and I think that was the difference in the end. Yeah, for me, I mean, you like the way they started out their week with the win over the Penguins. Um, and you thought they would carry that momentum into Boston, but that was very far from the case. Um, you know, big seven, one stinker. And that's, you know, another huge stinker that they've had within the past, you know, I guess you could say past 30 days. Um, you know, I support the decision that Peters made to pull ward. I honestly thought darling was going to get that start regardless. Um, just because, yeah, as you said, he needs to be mixed in a little bit more. You know, two goals on two shots is not very pretty. Um, and the lightning effort, you know, I think that Ward wants uh, one of those back, especially that one from Dachin. You know, it was just a far uh, blocker side one that he he should have had. But it more importantly, I think, uh, making sure that uh, Ajo was back and he played well um, in the lightning game. But, yeah, you want to come up with some points against a good team like that. Yeah, they were in a position to get some points, uh, at least a point. The defensive effort was a little weak, I thought, at times against Tampa. But yeah, I can't. I mean, Ward has to pull a couple more saves out of that. Uh, that Kunitz goal wasn't a. I mean, it was a quick, you know, release from pretty close in. But I mean, ideally, I think you'd like to have that save. 
the Tyler Johnson goal was pretty unfortunate because that turned out to be which one the (laughs) (laughs) yeah which one well all of them were unfortunate but I think the one that hurt the most was um Noah Hannafin being thrown into a different dimension by that wee little man Tyler Johnson to get the hat trick and that ended up being the the big difference maker I thought this Jordan Saul line was pretty weak against against Tyler Johnson which is a pretty weird thing to say uh, when you're saying that the uh, Jordan Saul line was pretty weak defensively but uh, I think that's what happened against Tampa. Of course, that Boston game was was just the worst, and I think they caught a break with uh, with Aho not being as hurt as he could have been. Uh, that looked really bad at first. Um, yeah, and you know, just that seven one loss to Boston was pretty tough coming off of a huge four nothing win against Pittsburgh. Uh, that that was really it. It felt like a statement game, but. Again, we're seeing these quote-unquote statement games that turn out to be very little of a statement. Uh, they didn't follow it up with anything special in Boston, and they, I think they left a point at least on the table tonight uh, against Tampa. They're, they're still right in the playoff mix. Uh, I think they're still right around where we thought they'd be at this point. Through 42 games, we're halfway through. There's a lot to be happy about, and I think there's a lot to be disappointed about as well. Kyle, what are your thoughts on the first half of this season for the Hurricanes and who are some standout players from from 42 games in? Uh, I would say the biggest standout player would be Tara Vinen. Obviously, we, we expected a little bit more out of him this year, building off of last year. I think he's exceeded most people's expectations, even the ones that maybe were a little more bullish on him. Um, but he, he's been really good and added um, another sure thing, top six forward to this group uh, with his improvement this year. Uh, obviously, tough night for him tonight, but Hannafin's development on the whole has been very encouraging. On the team level, uh, I think you'd want the penalty kill to be better than what it has been. Um, we didn't get to see it tonight, which kind of fortunate because, you know, if you're giving Tampa power plays, you're not going to have, you're not going to keep him as close as the Canes kept him tonight. The power play also another area that could use some improvement uh, that's been beaten to death. And then, of course, the goaltending, speaking of beaten to death, um, probably want it to be better than it's been. Ward had a pretty good run, uh, like he seems to put together every year. But as we're seeing now, uh, that's not really something that he's able to sustain at this stage in his career. Uh, And either Ward's going to have to find a way to have more hot streaks or Darling is going to have to figure out how uh, to be the goalie he was brought in to be. One of those things is going to need to happen if this team does want to actually make the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, I guess some some things are different than we thought they'd look, but overall, I think the team is about where we thought they'd be. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Ajo as well has really taken that next step, I think, uh, especially uh, since the, the 15 game mark. Uh, he had another slow start to this year, but he's really starting to put things together and uh, be an impact offensive player and taking the steps forward that he needs to take. I think, I think Jeff Skinner, his start was great to the year. Again, that that's just who Jeff Skinner is. He's going to have his hot streaks and he's going to have his, his down points. And I think the past month or so has been a little rough for him. Um, I believe he has two goals or three goals in his past 15 or 16 games. Uh, that's, that's really not enough. I don't think that being said, we know that he can turn it on at any point and really make a run at things uh, with regards to goal scoring. But right now, he's on pace for 26 goals, or I believe after tonight, 25 goals. So I'll be interested to see if he can step it up in the second half like he did last year. And if he does, that's that's huge. Yeah, and like you said, special teams uh, have been another not-so-great 
uh, aspect of this team, and especially the penalty kill. You need that penalty kill to to be better than 79% and in the bottom third of the league, uh, especially after last year and after the, the transition that, that they made. They seemingly made a few solid moves to even make that penalty kill better than they were a season ago, especially bringing in Marcus Kruger. But Kruger's ended up being a goal machine in the wrong way. So, you know, the talent's there for the special teams units, but it's just about putting it all together. Uh, I think that's what it always seems to be with this team. They they have pieces that, that can work together, and uh, on some nights those pieces come together and, and look really, really good, um, but on other nights uh, not so much. Justin, how, how are you feeling about the first half of the season? Well, I think they're right where we expect them to be. Um, you know, we'd like that, you know, top three spot in the Metro, but uh, I don't think that was ever feasible coming into this season. We thought they would be a fringe wildcard team. Um, you know, the positives to take away, I think Sebastian Ajo has performed very well. He didn't have the greatest start to the season, and then, you know, he's kind of been able to flip the switch uh, as we move along. I think another pleasant surprise is the play of Cam Ward, which is something we can't really shake a finger at. Yeah, the past four games haven't been you know, the greatest for him, but, uh, you know, his play has definitely helped this team stay afloat, uh, while Darling, you know, still continues to kind of figure out his game. Um, I think, you know, special teams is still a a place that can, you know, there's room for improvement there. Um, especially in the penalty kill, which has been this coaching staff's kind of bread and butter for the past few seasons. Um, so, you know, bringing up those, those numbers might help the team overall, but the thing that concerns me the most uh, is the eight pity points. Um, you know, when you start leaving points on the board, um, especially as you get into March and, you know, you look at regulation and overtime wins, um, you know, that's where it starts to matter. So it's just, you know, making strides over these next few months to to not let that come back and bite them. Yeah, there have been a lot of games where seemingly, it always seems to be Sebastian Ajo who comes within a centimeter of scoring but hits the post or just barely misses the net and it's right back the other way and ends up in their own net you know there's not a whole lot you can do about that that's just puck luck puck don't lie as they say but in more positive news guys the hurricanes have finally acquired a forward they have done it they have they have brought in a new forward to this year's roster and that forward is lee stempniak that's right Lee Stempniak activated off of IR, and this time around, no conditioning extent, no, none of that. 40 points last season in his first season with the Hurricanes. He's in a contract year. Um, He's expected to return to the lineup against the Capitals, be it on Thursday night or Friday night, Uh, one of those two in the home-and-home. We talked about Stepniak a little bit this year, but um, what are some short-term and long-term expectations of of what he can maybe bring to the lineup once he does return? Well, I think depth scoring, which is something you know you both touched on. Short-term, it's an extra body. Uh, you know, it never it never hurts to have um, you know another forward, uh, especially in a team that is starved for goals. Uh, so you know, short-term, maybe you know maybe a little boost to the offense, which is you know despite four goals in a loss against Tampa has maybe kind of fallen flat as of late. Yeah. I mean, Stepniak had what 40 ish points last year. Um, he brings some stability and experience that I think could be useful to this lineup. Um, 
I'm not too sure on where he fits in in the top nine, but I'm sure there's a roster spot for him. I'm sure they have a plan to get him involved um, because he's he's definitely someone who will help provide that depth scoring like Justin was talking about, uh, possibly be an option on the power play um, and just generally help out the offense, which isn't exactly a problem right now, but uh, with knowing this team, it could become one at some point pretty easily. Yeah, I think when Stemniak comes back, I don't think any of us are expecting him to be um, what he was last year. I mean, he's he's missed eight months of playing in competitive NHL settings. Um, so I don't know how that transition is going to be for him. He's 33 years old, but certainly good to get him back. I think short-term, starting him out in the bottom six, like you guys alluded to, kind of playing it safe and seeing how how he adjusts and how quickly he can get back to game speed. And from there, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Peters tries to go back to that Skinner-Rask-Stempniak or Ryan-Skinner-Stempniak type combination. Um, Skinner and Stempniak were very good together last year at times. And uh, with Skinner kind of slumping with his goal scoring, uh, maybe Stempniak can come in and, and kind of add that familiarity from last year and possibly spark Skinner's game a little bit. And looking forward to the next week of Hurricanes action, Lee Stentniak should be in the lineup for at least a couple of these games. Um, Starting on Thursday, the beginning of the home-and-home against the Capitals, they start in Washington on Thursday before hosting the Capitals on Friday night back at PNC Arena. And then they'll stay home after taking Saturday off. They'll have a Sunday afternoon game against the Calgary Flames which can be a winnable game, but a very unpredictable game with a Western Conference team coming into Raleigh for an afternoon game on Sunday. There have been some some interesting games in the past in those settings. I remember games against Arizona and Vancouver in the in recent memory, wherein those have been some pretty wild, uh, high-scoring, uh, interesting games. So what are you guys' expectations for... For these upcoming two games against the Capitals and, and that Flames game on Sunday, well, you got to win one against Washington. Um, they already lost the last one in overtime, so uh, I think one, one, and one would be pretty acceptable. Um, but you can't certainly can't drop both. That that would be a pretty big setback, especially after losing to uh, Boston and Tampa Bay. Uh, obviously, this was always going to be a tough stretch of games. We knew it when we were looking ahead. Uh, and to get that win in Pittsburgh was big, but you gotta follow it up with another. It's tough to beat these teams, but you gotta if you're gonna be a playoff team. You gotta you gotta find ways to get wins against the teams that are ahead of you. Uh, and then I th- I do think they have to beat Calgary, regardless of whether or not they win zero one or two against Washington. Calgary at home, yeah, it's your third game in four days, but it's a game you gotta win. And then the bye week should be pretty big for this team. I would expect uh, the rest to be helpful for the for the veteran players to get some time off for the younger players to refocus uh, on on what it's going to take for the stretch run but yeah big stretch yeah you brought up a good point about the bye week which i think this team could really use they've played a lot of hockey uh dating back to the beginning of december if you can salvage a game against washington i think like you said Kyle, that's necessary at this point i don't think you can lose uh three to washington in the span of a week and a half and, and expect yourself to be in a very good position. Yeah, that Calgary game is a uh, a Western Conference game, which typically those aren't the most important games, but that's a game that you have to win. A question, though. If the Hurricanes enter the bye week and they are, let's say they win two of three, 
let's let's get crazy. Let's say they win one against Washington and they win against Calgary. Would that be the time to to make a trade if you're going to make a trade? I don't think they're going to make a trade. Maybe it would make sense too, but you know, Francis, Francisca, Francis. I think if their position in a playoff spot was more solidified, maybe. Uh, but given Francis's history and where this team's at right now, I think that at the earliest he would do it. Um, you know, as near the end of January. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, yeah, it would be ideal so that you come back into that week, you know, with a new player and a new maybe mindset. Um, but you know, getting three out of a possible four points uh, from the Caps would be a successful week in my eyes. And you know, yeah, afternoon games haven't been the greatest for the Canes in the past, but uh, I think you should beat the Flames. Yeah, and I think answering my own question, I think the addition of Stepniak is going to be telling um, how quickly he can he can enter this lineup and how how quick he can get back to game speed because adding Stepniak is kind of going to be like making a trade without giving up any assets, you know? So if he can come back and be a top nine contributor, I think that maybe answers what I just proposed. But looking beyond this year, there are a couple players that, that could be on the verge of, of being NHLers for the Carolina Hurricanes. And after a very good World Junior Championship from Martin Natchez, Carolina's top prospect, a 2017 12th overall pick, there's a lot to be happy about with him. Uh, Corey Promen of The Athletic, um, he's been covering the, the World Juniors for, for The Athletic. And uh, he had some interesting quotes about Martin Natchez. He said that he was the second best forward in the tournament without a doubt in his eyes. And that uh, after talking to executives from around the league, Natchez in a redraft of 2017 would be a top seven, if not a top five pick. That's exciting, I think, um, for a team that has been looking for center help and hoping that Martin Natchez could, could be a solution there. Does Natchez's really solid tournament and all the praise he's received, does that make you a little bit more optimistic? I know, Justin, when we were talking about the draft um, and about Natchez in particular, you weren't very high on him. Has your opinion on him changed much since then, especially after the tournament that he just had? Well, I think there's always been you know, a lot of standouts um, in international tournaments like this that don't always pan out. And I'm not saying that's the case uh, with him. I, I would like to see more... F- like more from him as in get him over to North America and play, uh, play a little bit more. Um, but no, I, I think there's a lot of positives after that tournament with him. And I, I think that, yeah, he is developing nicely. Do you guys remember the, this is kind of unrelated, but do you guys remember in 2011 in the world juniors, Canada went up three, nothing on Russia. And then Russia came back to win five, three in the gold medal game, Buffalo. Yes. The uh, guy who scored two goals for Russia in that game, Artemi Panarin. Never heard of him. <laughs> it just goes to show. I mean, yeah, it's not the exact same. I'm not saying it is. I, th- I just thought it was interesting. I was rewatching the highlights from that game. Tarasenko had a big goal. Carter Ashton had a big goal for Canada. That, that Carter was, Ashton. <laughs> that was an interesting Canada team. And then, But you look back at that, that Russia team, and it had uh, Tarasenko, Panarin, and Kuznetsov on it. Uh, and those guys led the charge in the comeback. And, you know, I mean, I watched that game, but I didn't remember Artemi Panarin until the rumors of him coming back over to yeah, Russia or coming back over to the Blackhawks started up a few years ago. Um, I, it's just interesting to me how you can watch those games and then, you know, those guys who aren't huge NHL prospects on, on some of the European countries that 
just slip your mind and then they turn out to be star players. Um, not, obviously, that's not the case with Natchez. He's a top 15 pick. But there, it seemed like the Czech team this year had a bunch of guys who could fall into that category maybe. Um, there was a lot of impressive skill on that team. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Philip Zadina, he's probably going to be a top three, maybe four or five pick in this coming draft. He was outstanding. Uh, but I, th- I did think Natchez was the best player on that team, and it looked like a team full of good players to me. Like Justin said, I'm very excited to see Natchez get over here to North America and see what he can do. Um, I thought his preseason was really encouraging. I would have liked to have seen him get a couple more games with the Hurricanes uh, before sending him back, but he only got the one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I do think his stock has certainly risen since the draft. Um, I think a, a couple teams looking at you, Detroit, um, are going to regret <laughs> picking the person they picked over him. Um and yeah, I mean, it's very encouraging because, you know, he fits he fits the mold of what this team doesn't really have uh, in that highly skilled, uh, confident and not not huge, but big enough center. Um, and I think he'll be a real impact player uh, for the Canes once he gets established. Don't forget 2003 Canadian World Junior Championship team. Can you guess the former Kane that was on that team? 2003? 2003. Yep. World Junior. He's no longer in the league. I'll give you that. Well, forward or defenseman? Forward. All right. How, how long was he a Kane? I have a uh, guess. I'll like, say I'll say like three seasons. All right. You ready? You ready for it? Yeah. Anthony Stewart. Really? That sounds. Uh, wow. He was not a Kane for. He was a Kane for one season. He was. Oh, sorry, he I changed his Twitter profile picture today to him in a Hurricanes jersey. By the way. Wow! Today he did that. Today he did that. He did Are that. you on Anthony Stewart profile watch or something? Well, yes, but I also saw it via retweet. Oh, gotcha. But with Natchez, over under sixty-five percent chance that he starts the season in Carolina in twenty eighteen nineteen and also finishes the year in Carolina. Over. I think it's a lock. I think it's pretty close to a lock as well. Put. You know what? I'll be I'll play devil's advocate. I'll put it under, but not by much. I think that he starts the season, but he ends up in Charlotte by the end. Really? Okay. I do. I do. I don't think that's underperformance. I just think it's with this coaching staff and their lack of trust in younger players. I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily a lock. See, I don't know. I think that of course you have to consider the coaching staff here. Uh, I think that's definitely fair. I think I think they'd be doing themselves a, a disservice if they, they didn't take a very long look at him, um, especially with how he's played in the Czech League and international tournaments this year. Um, he's been really impressive, but maybe less impressive uh, in that World Junior Championship. Jake Bean, uh, Promen, said that uh, he was left wanting more. Uh, he didn't know that he was smart, but there wasn't a dynamic component in his game. I thought that was an interesting comment. Um, there are still a lot of people, uh, even me included at times, who, who question him being picked by the Hurricanes at 13th overall in 2016. So that's interesting. And also Yanni Kuokinen, uh Finland kind of disappointed a little bit this year. Um, Kuokinen started on the first line for that Finland team and ended up not being on the first line um, as they tried to jumpstart the offense. Any thoughts on either Bean and Kuokinen and how they fit in moving forward? Bean's an interesting one for me because, for me personally, on on that draft night, I was hoping for Kiefer Bellows, uh, for Kiefer Bellows, yeah. uh, or Luke Cunning. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I was I was a Kiefer Bellows fan. 
Uh, and he obviously had an outstanding tournament for the U.S. And he's still a position that this team needs more than Bean is. Uh, so drafting the team's perception of best player available there seems to have, for now, been maybe a mistake. But, I mean, obviously, there are still very young players uh, with a lot of time left to develop. Um, I didn't I didn't think Bean was bad. Uh, this Canada team just seemed to be one that wasn't flashy, uh, just worked hard. I mean, I, I fucking hate talking about the Canada <laughs> World Junior team like that. Uh, because you know Canada underdog, uh, but um, yeah, I mean they they were they didn't have a McDavid this year. They didn't even really have a Strom or a Marner type, and they won anyway. Um, it, it was a balanced four line team, three pairing team, uh, and yeah, no one really stood out as outstanding. I mean, every forward scored, and I thought I thought Bean was okay, um, but I, I I wouldn't get too down on him based on that. And same goes for Kulkinen. Um That Finland team wasn't. Certainly wasn't the Aho Puyarvi Line A team of a couple years ago, and they, there are a lot of countries it felt like that had really good teams this year. I mean, we haven't even talked about the Swedes because they don't have a hurricane. They didn't have a Hurricanes prospect, but that was an absolutely fantastic team with you know Lilligren, Dahlin, Nylander, uh, some other guys on that team. Canada was great. Uh, the states were probably better than the, they're going to be in the next couple of years uh, at this tournament. That was a great team. The Czechs were way better mm-hmm. uh, than they usually are. Um, so the Finns and the Russians kind of just got lost in the shuffle this year. It felt like with a couple other countries performing better than they usually do. Uh, and that happens. So, I mean, yeah, maybe Kulkanen wasn't great. Um, I thought he looked okay in the first game they played. But um, it just didn't seem like a huge, like a really conducive situation to a guy standing out as like, yeah, this guy's going to be a star on that team. Yeah, and I think you made a good point. This was one international tournament, so as well as Nate just played, it should be taken not too seriously. Um, I think there's a lot of merit to the, the World Juniors, and I think that it's proven in the past that it could be a breeding ground of guys who jump onto the big stage and play well, and then that carries over to their professional career. Um and also with Bean and Quokinen, even though they weren't the huge impact players that maybe they were expected to be, in one international tournament shouldn't tarnish their their upside in the eyes of fans uh, moving forward. Over-under, I want to do one more over-under for these guys. Jake Bean, 50% chance he starts the year in Carolina next year and finishes there. Under. Under. Mm-hmm. I'll take under. I think it's tough for him because... Too much on the left. Yeah, there's too much on the left. And as long as Fleury's there, and quite honestly, I thought Dahlbeck had, had a good game against Tampa. Young Kloss Dahlbeck. Young Kloss Dahlbeck. Place. Tough as nails, that Kloss. Speaking of another young player who is catching some headlines, maybe not as much as Natchez, but Valentin Zikov shooting... 31% on his year so far in Charlotte. He leads the AHL in goals with 19. 19 goals for him so far this year. He is Charlotte's representative in the AHL All-Star Classic. Uh, Justin, I know you've watched him a little bit more than we have uh, down in Charlotte. Thoughts on him? Do you think uh, he's the deserving participant here? Yes, he's had a good season, but I've, I actually have some pretty hot takes here, so buckle oh, up. Boy. Um Valentin Zikov is a great shooter, but he's also, if you look at that shooting percentage, he's at a ridiculous pace right now. Is it sustainable? 
Oh, no. It is not sustainable. The fact that he has that shooting percentage in January is still somewhat impressive. Yes, he has been the best player on the checkers this year, and I think Warren Fogle's not far behind him. But Zekoff reminds me a lot of a former prospect for the New Jersey Devils, Reed Boucher. Reed Boucher was a guy that he killed it in his final year in juniors. He had 22 goals uh, in his first uh, AHL season and then followed it up with 15, 19, 16. So he, he's produced well at the AHL level, but just can't put it together at the NHL level. He's got 37 points in 115 games at the NHL level. Um, I think Zekoff is going to be one of those prospects where I'm not 100% sure if it's going to be able to translate. So while his statistics at the AHL have been nice, I wouldn't say go ahead and pencil him in to fill in some type of role for next year or even the year after. Well, to be fair, I don't know why you're comparing him to a guy who can't translate to the NHL. Zikov is a goal every other game NHL player. I was just about to say, to be fair, <laughs> he is on pace for 41 goals in a full year in the NHL. So, hey, if he if he puts up a 41 goal season in a hurricane sweater, I will be all for it. Over under 50% chance that he puts up a 41 goal season in the <laughs> NHL. Over lock. <laughs> And what's his shooting percentage going to be? 46%. Over under 50% shooting percentage. 46%. Oh. 99, the great one, baby. <laughs> 99, the great. You miss all the shots that you don't take, Justin. That's true. Did you know that? Well, we're actually going to start. The <laughs> funny thing about that, that was my high school yearbook quote. That was very cringeworthy. But I, I screwed up because I just put... You missed the shot, 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, I should have put in parentheses, Michael Scott. Yeah, if you wanted to be. Guys, I'm actually I'm actually working on unveiling a new analytics set. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Shots You Don't Take, where <laughs> I go back through all the games and I track them, and I find I find opportunities where players should have shot but didn't. And I'm, I'm going to use that stat to determine the least trigger-happy players. <laughs> I, I expect Elias Lindholm and Tavo Teravainen to lead the team in shots you didn't take. Shots you don't take. Or we'll, you got to send yeah. that into the analytics department. Just email them. <laughs> yeah, look, look, look for the next hockey analytics conference. I'll be submitting my abstract in the next couple months, uh, whether it's in Rochester, but hacked or uh, Van Hack uh, or Odd Hack. I'll, I'll I'll go to any of them. I'll, I'll go to all of them. You got to start on this podcast. I'm I'm really honored, honestly. Yeah, we're we're excited for it. Look out for that. Shots you didn't take or don't take. I gotta I gotta iron out the kinks though. It's time to time to wind down. Okay. We have a something called a take of the week. Oh, I'm proud of this one. I don't know what this is. This is a new addition to our uh, our outline. I mean, not our outline. Sorry, we don't have an outline. Uh, this is a new addition to the podcast. Brett, take it away. You seem to have. You seem to have. Oh, I I have it. Bit. I have it. Um, so this is a fun little thing. It's called take of the week, and that's right. It's spelled with an e a. In between the W and the K in the week. Not the week, like a period of time. This is it's a little play on words um, for the audio listeners who, who can't see our, our rundown. <laughs> so, this is fun. I think that every week, at least one of us should give a take, Canes or non-Canes related, and the rest of the, the group will discuss it. Just, just a take that you find... Uh, very interesting, something that means a lot to you. Um, it's a podcast within a podcast. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast. 
Oh my gosh. That's a great description of it. I think that's perfect. Um, so in the inaugural episode of Take of the Week, in this episode of Kane's Country Podcast, um, I'm going to give you my take, and I want your opinion on it. Okay. I don't know if you guys saw, but Dan Girardi took a puck to the face or head area against the Detroit Red Wings. Did you guys see that? This happened a few years ago. I'm specifically referring to (laughs) (laughs) several nights ago in Detroit where uh, Dan Girardi uh, dove off his feet to block a shot and took it to the face, and it was a very scary incident. I did not see this. Yeah, well, it was a very, very scary incident. He took a puck to the face. He went down immediately, all threw his gear off and stuff. Very, very scary incident inside Little Caesars Arena. Well, they had to have a guy who was in the press box hot and ready to jump in and replace <laughs> Oh, my God. No, you didn't. <laughs> Did he do it for $5? <laughs> Probably. You're ruining my segment. I, I was really proud. So of what is your what is your take about Dan Girardi getting hit in the face? <laughs> well, when you put it like that, it makes it sound not as good as it is. But the NHL should get rid of this garbage, bogus block shot trend. Okay, um, I'm sick of players who are diving out in front of pucks and getting injured because the number of that is going up steadily. And I think the Dan Girardi incident was an example of when that can turn very bad very quickly. I think that the NHL should try to cut down on this crazy shot-blocking trend. I don't have any specific numbers or or evidence, because why the hell would I? Um, Why would I back up my claim with any legitimacy here? But there are stats that show that Blocking shots doesn't make as much of an impact as you might think or want to believe. Um, And many times we've seen it from, I don't know, the Carolina Hurricanes where a puck goes in off of a defenseman and past a goalie. I mean, that's the only way you can beat Cam Ward. It's one of the ways. (laughs) I believe it was a Tampa broadcaster that said that a player should get a penalty if they leave their feet to block a shot. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and say I agree with that. I do not want to see a blocked shot go to someone's face and it end up being much worse than what Dan Girardi, who got incredibly lucky to to be fine after that incident. Um, I don't want to see it be anything worse than that. So my opinion is that... Well, you said it. Well... He was fine. Well, Kyle... I don't see the problem. Well, Kyle... He's fine. Well, Brett, Kyle. it was nice knowing you, nice doing this podcast with you, but I, I have some bad news for you. You're going to have a van show up in front of your house, apartment, whatever, from Tortorella, Inc., and you're not going to be around anymore um, because what you're, what you're proposing. Because he's going to take a shot to the – he's going to shoot a slap shot to my face, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah, just to show you how necessary it because is. Because I'm trying shots. to block it. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, to, I, mean I agree. Um, blocking shots is pretty dumb. Um, but good luck convincing anyone who matters in hockey of that. I mean, yeah. you matter. You're the agent of Jay McClement. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, and you're convinced. Well, I guess really I don't matter anymore because apparently I'm not doing my job very well. Clearly. And as his agent, I probably shouldn't be admitting that because that's one of his assets as a player. But one of his very few assets as a player. <laughs> very few. He scored. He scored a goal against the Blackhawks. He played a game in a Penguins uniform yeah, recently. Kind of. Wait, was it him or Brad Malone that was lookout for trucks? 
That was mine. Ah. Uh, McClement was lookout for pucks because he never had it. <laughs> lookout for pucks. <laughs> All right. So Brett, your take. If, uh, if if a if a player leaves their feet to block a shot, that should be a penalty. The players, if you want to block a shot, that's cool. That's great. Stay on your feet. Use your shins. Use your middle body. Don't put your well-being and the the look of the league because if a bunch of players are getting injured from blocking pointless shots that are probably going to go wide or some garbage and they're putting their own health at risk, I, I just I can't get behind that. I think it's ridiculous. I think that the whole macho mentality behind blocking a shot is just ridiculous and stupid, and I think that that should go away. Two amendments. Two amendments. You're allowed to leave your feet to block a shot in the crease. I had a note on that, yes. And additionally, I think the NHL should implement changes to the to the uniforms uh, that have special shot-blocking zones. Uh, I think this would be great for the game. Um, you, you have different colored parts with different colored teams of different teams' uniforms where you're allowed to block a shot. And what happens, what happens when a shot is blocked is that we have to have a review and a challenge to see where the puck hit that player. I think this will be great for the game. Um, it'll keep everyone safe, especially if you put the zones in the, in the areas where players have more padding, uh, more cartilage, mm-hmm. less brains, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then you have a challenge. And if the coach loses the challenge, then they have to take off the special zones on their player and they're not allowed to block shots anymore. And also they get a penalty, uh, and the team gets a penalty shot. The team the challenge gets a penalty shot. The team shot. that blocked the shot gets a penalty oh, shot. That, that's <laughs> a lot of amendments. That that turned from that went from two amendments to uh, I think oh, eight six. or nine. <laughs> and that was just one amendment. That's, that's I mean, a lot of amendment. And the second amendment had a few parts. That's fair. It, add the, the coach's second challenge. amendment was the right to bear arms. You are only allowed to block shots with bare arms. <laughs> okay, we need to strike while the iron is hot. Peters just won a challenge. I think we need to expand the coach's challenge while he's hot. To make it have more influence, I don't know if a if one for his last two full seasons worth is a hot streak yet. <laughs> He's due. He's going to regress to the mean. It's like it's like the stock market. It does badly for a while and then it goes way up. Buy low, sell high. So we're buying low right now because so there's going to be you, more correct challenges. What would you sell Bill Peters for? Uh, Connecticut. <laughs> Clean drinking water. For your take. I think we have sufficiently discussed it. Love or hate, Leah Sanderson, Sweden boy, threw his silver medal into the crowd like a hoodlum. Uh, love or hate it? Love. I love it. Love it. I, love it too. Um, I mean, I, I can relate. I, th- I throw stuff when my team loses games, too. Um, <laughs> it's the same thing, really. It's the Man, same. How many things have you broken? Uh, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> he didn't break the medal. He didn't throw it that hard. The Panthers lost the Super Bowl resulted in my remote being broken, but that's that's it. Nothing else. What did you break when they when Devin Funches can catch a football in the end zone in the first oh, that quarter? Was, uh, I mean I was He just, was injured. He was injured. It was it was sad. I was sad. It made me sad. At least we sad. don't have Kelvin Benjamin anymore. I, I agree. He sucks. I'm serious. That's I'm serious. I'm, they, the offense actually legitimately improved after he left. Yeah. We'll miss you, Mike Shula. We love you. Yeah, freaking we'll right. You, Mike Shula. What a guy. I can actually, I can actually enjoy this team without having to want to have a brain aneurysm every time <laughs> Jonathan Stewart runs for one yard or negative one yards on first down every time. It'll be, oh my god, it's gonna be so much better. Oh, Jay Sue will be back. 
he will be back, but so will Curtis Samuel. And I think they might actually use Christian McCaffrey properly next year. I want. Can I take a, a hot take? No. No, you're a Giants fan. Ah. <laughs> oh, is is your hot take that Odell is going to be traded to the Panthers to? No, for- I, I'm sure you guys would love that, but I'm going to say that he actually has a record-breaking year. Odell. Yes. Mike Shula. Come- with who no, not Mike Shula. And Ken not, the Browns, not the Browns either. <laughs> He's going to make his return. <laughs> uh, I don't know who his quarterback will be. But he's going to break records? Yes. I'm going to say it. Is he going to break the record for the, for the most uh, fights against a kicking net on the sideline? <laughs> yes, he already did. <laughs> the I record was zero, now it's one. <laughs> he can break his own record. Um, hey, he made up with that kicking net. So Speaking of records, speaking of records, this is backtracking a little bit, but guess who has the most blocked shots in a game in NHL history? Is it related to the Canes? No, not at all. Um, Chris Pronger. Nicholas Lidstrom. Both of you are close, but it's Chris Russell who blocked 15 <laughs> shots. How are we close to Chris? Blocked, I said Chris. I had a Chris. He, so. he, blocked, he blocked 15 shots in one game in okay. March of 2015. I'm very happy for him. We have another segment to do. And unfortunately, as as the champion of the segment, it is I, I regret to inform you that Justin has told me that this is the last time we'll be doing this segment. It's not the last time. We're gonna I think we're gonna do once a month because there's only so many tweets that these two put out. The well's dry, so to speak. The well may be dry, but I did pick out some good ones this week. Um yes, we this is a critically acclaimed segment. Um, we are going to put it on hold for a little bit and maybe bring it back uh, when you guys, you know, start saying, oh, my God, we want to see the Gucci Mano saying Twitter stuff. When our no. when our listening audience goes plummeting after plummeting. we stop doing yeah. this. When, when the ratings start tanking, we'll bring it back. But I did my like research. Like with anything else. Exactly. Anyway. So I did my research and I got some good tweets for us. Um Kyle has been the grand champion, but, you know, Brett, this is the last segment, or for a while at least, so I want you to finish strong. You know, it wasn't your game necessarily, but uh, you got this, all right? We're all rooting for you. All right, so we're going to get into the first tweet of the day, Um, and this is from a few months ago, so I really went back, and the tweet is, still not content, but I'm moving in the right direction. Hosang. I'm going with Hosang. You're both wrong. No! It was Gucci, ah! Gucci Mane. A rough start for Kyle. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was... Hey, I missed it too. What, what are these expectations for me? I, Is that on par? Normally you start slow and then finish strong, so we're, we're just gonna... We're forgetting we're gonna my keep four for four here. a few weeks ago, but... We're just gonna keep moving here. Alright. The man who asks a question may be a fool for a minute. But the man who does not may That's be a Hosang. fool for life. That's Hosang. Absolutely. Hosang. Yep, it's Hosang. All right. Next up. Believe there is good in this world. Gucci. Believe there is good in this world. Gucci. Gucci. You're both wrong. It's Hosang. Oh. And you want to know. ended it last time. We're ruining my percentage. <laughs> He, all right, so but the best part about this is he put it on three separate lines and he capitalized B E the and good. So <laughs> be the good in this world, he wrote out. And he put hashtag wow. hidden hidden message. The last tweet of this game, at least for a little bit, 
is a perfect day to step it up a level. Hosang. Oh, Gucci. Kylan's on the right foot. Brett struggles to the finish line. <laughs> yes, so, yeah, perfect day to step it up a level. It was him not a few days ago. Honestly, at the point, I had thought Kyle was so good at this game. I thought he really did fall at both of them. He was just lying to us, but uh, no. Yes, no, Kyle. My two, my, my two for four performance today proves that not true, I think. I mean, you had a strong enough record. You stumbled to the finish line, but ultimately, ultimately, Kyle wins this game. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of other successful games, including a very hot take of the week, which I'll feature next week on the podcast. We should have a game. The next game should be who tweeted this, Kyle or Brett. Oh, my oh. God. Oh, that's... Okay, and you have to quiz me. You have to quiz me. Because oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. We're coming up with some good ideas. But, um, yes, thank you for listening. This was episode 22 of the Canes Country podcast. Sean Hill uh, episode. Sean Hill. Mike Commodore. Mike Commodore. Who? Mike Commodore. I don't know who that is. Half of Jay Harrison. <laughs> Half of Jay Harrison episode. Um, as always, you can follow us at Canes Country on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. And check out all of our great content at canescountry.com. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. You probably already are. That's probably how you're listening to this. But in case you're listening to it through Podbean, uh, we would love it if you subscribe to us on either one of those. Um, we have been getting some reviews. Um, but we've gotten no new ones. So I can't give away that signed picture of Jordan Stahl just yet. So if you're listening to this, go into our reviews, add a review. It can be bad. You can tell us how bad or awkward or just lame we are. Uh, we don't care. We just want a review. It's nice. We like to see your feedback. Uh, tell us what we can improve on or anything like that. Um, but I also have another prize that I will be giving away um, that I found recently. I will drop that hint on the next podcast. But it is round and hard and it's a puck yeah it's a puck <laughs> but it's a special puck so i'll oh, tell wow. you a little bit more about that um it's but the platinum you, puck the canes are giving away it's a we, platinum puck for a review of 20th the 20th anniversary team <laughs> edition <laughs> perfect yeah, yeah it's a... um you can follow me at lanky lape on twitter i cover the checkers and just do odd things for canes country and you can follow kyle at k underscore morton nine and you can follow me uh brett finger on twitter at brett finger uh b-r-e-t-t-f-i-n-g-e-r definitely go check out everything on canescountry.com leave reviews subscribe on itunes and google play um all of that jazz um we thank you for for listening to this little podcast that we do every week yeah and we'll be back next week all right we're good no we or need to... do you want Oh, okay. Um, all right. And, okay, three, two. I thought we did a lead out. <laughs> yeah, no, otherwise... We just, it's we just have to say bye now. Bye. Okay. Enjoy the intro. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the intro. The intro at the intro end. Again. <laughs> You're listening to the Canes Country Podcast with Brett Finger, Justin Lape, and Kyle Morton.